We're continuing on with our sermon series, uh, looking at uh, how Jesus led, or leading as Jesus led. And I shared with you in the first week that what the uh, difficulty that faces the church today is that we've sort of esteemed uh, leadership to a few uh, people who stand up at the front of church. And what we wanted to do was we wanted to see the example that Jesus had when he was leading people and the qualities that he used and how that helps us today and how that encourages us today. And so in the first week, we looked at influence and how Jesus uh, influenced people, particularly the 12 disciples as he was with them for three years and he uh, taught them the things that they needed to do and he showed them those things that were practical and those things that needed to be done after uh, he had ascended to heaven. So, and we made that point that, that everybody is influenced. Uh, if you're a parent, you have influence. If you're, if you're friends, you have influence. If you're uh, leading something in church and you have influence, even if it's only over one person. And so that was week one. In week two, we looked at servanthood and the illustration of Jesus, the story of Jesus in John 13, uh, where they arrived at the upper room and there was nobody there uh, to wash the feet of the, the servant, the disciples and Jesus as they arrived for meals. So Jesus did what uh, he did. He got up and he washed the disciples' feet as an example of the sort of leader that he is, which is a servant leader. And for the disciples to understand that he was his man the night before he goes to the cross, the saviour of the world, and is washing the feet of the disciples is an example of how we should approach each other with servanthood. And then last week we looked at the focus that Jesus had as he looked out towards Jerusalem in Luke chapter 9. His eyes and his face as it was set like flint, as it says, as he looked steadfastly towards Jerusalem, for he knew what awaited him there. But Jesus had this focus of keeping the main thing, the main thing. He had come to be the saviour of mankind. And so as he looked ahead, he saw not only Jerusalem, but he saw the cross on the horizon. Uh, and so today we want to take a look at really, at really one of the characteristics of Jesus, what his character was like, that he had something uh, that will help us and teach us today and that was his compassion and uh, Jesus was moved with compassion it tells us in several stories in the gospels and the simple example that it is to you and to me this morning is simply that we should be moved with compassion and there are two stories or two parts of scripture that we want to read and just take a look at and the first one is in Matthew chapter 9 and uh, verse 35 going through to 38 it says then Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to the disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Another verse in Matthew chapter 14, verse 14, it says, and when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude 
and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. If we were summing up these two stories, in fact, if we were summing up Jesus' ministry, as he encountered the depth of human need, he was simply moved with compassion for them. So there are many, many stories in Jesus' ministry that he encountered people's needs, whether it was sickness, whether it was sin, whether even if it was the, the, the Pharisees, the religious teachers. But in his stories, one of the things that Jesus did, he was always moved with compassion to help people or to help people realize the mistakes that they have made and how they can fix those mistakes, how to get right in a sense with God. And some of them listened and some of them didn't. But one of the interesting things or one of the things that stands out for Jesus as he encounters human need is simply he was moved with compassion for them, that he loved people, that people mattered to him, that if there was a reason that he came uh, to be the saviour, it was for people. And so his example as he went around teaching and preaching and healing people was to make a difference in people's lives. And he didn't make a difference in people's lives in some sort of robotic way that he just sort of moved along people and did what they asked him to do. Jesus was genuinely moved with compassion and pity for those that were hurting, for those that were in pain and those that were weary. And the same is true today. So Jesus is still interested in people. What's going on in people's lives still matter to him. He still has compassion. The word says we do not have a high priest who does not sympathize with our weaknesses. And, and that relates to Jesus understanding the things that we are going through. And we see this in many, many stories in the Gospels. When Jesus was moved by compassion, it's not just a feeling he had, but an understanding and conviction of what these people meant to Father God. He says, and he shows that in everything that he does. He says, when he sees people sitting by the roadside who are blind and he heals them, he gives them their sight back. And a woman enters the, the sense of the, the house where the religious teachers are sitting with Jesus and in a sense he falls at his feet and worships him. Though the religious teachers cast judgment in, in, in the house there, you know, Jesus shows compassion. You know, when the crowds were there and they were hungry uh, and it was getting late and it was dark and they it needed to be fed. You know, Jesus was moved with compassion. It was something that he felt inside of them, inside of him, sorry, that, that meant that, that, that he wanted to respond by doing something. You know, we understand what the word means. Uh, so to understand what the word means, the Greeks have a word for it. And it was really the feeling that you had, in a sense, in your bowels, down here, in your, your, it was almost like that place where the strong and powerful emotions originated. That, you know, those, those feelings that you have, that, that, that not only do you sense somebody's pain, but you want to do something about it as well. The actual original word is a very remarkable one because there was actually no word in the original Greek that really described this sense of being moved with compassion. So the evangelists sort of came up with their own word. that They, they couldn't find one that suited the purpose. And so it was expressive of this deep 
emotion, this striving, this yearning of, of what mattered, that there were pity inside. And, and, and that's really the, the sense that Jesus had when we see in this story, he sees the people who are lost, who are weary, who are like a sheep without a shepherd. Could be described as that that moves a person to the deepest depths of his being, but also it reveals the strength of character that we need. That not only do we have compassion, but we're moved with compassion. And sympathy is where, in a sense, you feel uh, one other person is going through. But when you're moved with compassion, you, you feel that and sense it, but you want to do something about it as well. As I looked at this subject of compassion, you know, they, some research that I read had said, you know, we have become a less compassionate people. And they had put that down to social media, internet, instant news, and actually, you know, bad news and things that happen around the world, we can know in an instant. And because we're often bombarded with all this stuff that goes on in the world where there is uh, people who are lost and are helpless and are hungry, are in need, we actually, we actually use the word, we desensitize to it. We actually look at it and it doesn't affect us anymore because we almost see it all the time. And the argument that the writer was making in this research is that we, we crawl in a sense into our own bubble almost and we look after our own circumstances and our own situations and we struggle to find compassion for other people. Uh, and yet what we're taught to do in scripture if we want to lead as Jesus led is to make sure that we are compassionate, that we are moved with compassion for those people who are hurting and lost and broken. You know, Jesus' move to compassion was a direct motive for at least five of his miracles. He was never apathetic or neutral in the face of people and their problems. I remember reading an illustration that, that probably sums up what I'm trying to say today, that a man fell into a pit and he couldn't get out. A philosopher came along and looked down into the pit and said, just think that, that you only think that you're in a pit, you're not in a pit. Of course, that didn't help him. A Pharisee came along, looked into the pit, and he said to the man who had fallen in, only bad people fall into a pit. A judgmental person came along, he looked down into the pit, and he said, you must have done something wrong, you deserve to be in that pit. A Pentecostal came along, and we can relate to this. He looked in, he said, simply just confess, you're not in a pit. A kind man came by and said, we bought you some food and clothing and lowered it down into the pit. Though it helped him, it didn't get him out of the pit. An optimist came along and he looked into the pit and he said to the man, he said, things could be worse. A pessimist came along, he looked down into the pit and he said, things will get worse. Finally, Jesus, seeing the man in the pit as he came along, climbed down into the pit, lifted him out and rescued him from the pit. It's an illustration of compassion. The three things we have to understand about true compassion. The first one is this, true compassion starts when we begin to understand the hurts of others. That everybody, because of the events of life and the situations and circumstances that we go through, uh, people get hurt. 
and true compassion starts when we begin to understand the hurts of others, whether we have experienced the same thing or whether we understand what they're going through. Compassion allows us to draw alongside people and help them with their deepest woes. The second thing is this, is true compassion means not only feeling another's pain, but also being moved to help relieve it. It's not enough to see somebody hurting and almost saying, I'm sorry, I will pray for you. Those things are meant well, and those things are what we should do as believers. But actually, true compassion, what it does, it feels another person's pain. It says, I will pray for you. But it also says, well, how can I help you? It says, often we look at it and we say to ourselves, well, what can we do? I've said this many times before, that we can't help everybody, but we all can help somebody. That there is at least one person we can do something for that we are moved with compassion to help somebody who was hurting. Actually, because uh, church is often made up of people who have dealt or have walked through different hurts and challenges and brokenness in their lives. And actually, when other people come in, it's a perfect opportunity for us to help. See, true compassion moves us from being right to doing right. Jesus was the most perfect example because he was right in his, what he thought, what he believed, and that caused him to do right. He was moved with compassion because people mattered to him. You know, it's interesting if you read the story in its context. In the previous verse, Jesus was unfairly criticized. They accused him of casting out demons by the ruler of demons. You know, Jesus didn't stop and saying, you know, they're saying terrible things about me. What can I do to stop them? Jesus simply ignored them and went about his father's business. It's amazing sometimes how people come and they, they criticize you for doing the right thing, the kind thing, the compassionate thing. You know, he saw what he wanted the Pharisees to see because the problem is he wanted the Pharisees to understand these are your people and they're like sheep without a shepherd. You have no compassion for them. You're too busy being legalistic and religious by making sure you uphold all the law and all the regulations, lots of them not even from God. And you're missing what matters to God and what concerns God and it's these people because they're weary, they're tired, they're helpless, and they need somebody to show them compassion. You see, we come and we see in the story the sort of things that people are suffering with, that are dealing with. We see that there is every sickness and every disease. It speaks of that physical sickness, pain, hurt, and sorrow. To be compassionate means to take the hand of somebody who, who's ill, somebody who may be terminally ill, to take the hand and hold the hand and to show that ministry of presence without even saying anything, to read scripture, to pray with them, just to be there. That's what it means to be compassionate. Those who are fainted, it says, it speaks of those who are weary and exhausted, those people who are just tired in a sense of life. And you see, being moved with compassion helps us to come alongside them to help them, to, to provide for them, to share with them, to encourage them, to give them strength. That's what it means to be moved with compassion. 
Jesus sees the people, not just sick and ill, and those who are going to faint, he sees them scattered abroad as well. What does that mean? Those people who have no direction, no moral compass, no, no place to belong. Oh, surely that's what church is about, isn't it? Surely that's what church is about, is we bring people into church and we teach them about the direction that God has for their lives. We give them that compass to live by, which is the word of God. We give them that place to belong, which is the family of God, which is us in our church. It says, surely that moves us to compassion as we gather together. It says, and the fourth thing we see, as we mentioned already, is a sheep having no shepherd, no one in their life to love them, to care for them, to intervene. That was the Pharisees' job. That was the religious leaders of the, the day. That was their job, to care for the people. So when they were struggling and when they were hurting, and when the stuff happens in life that comes our way and it came their way, that there was somebody to help them, to love them and care for them. And you see, we see all these four things as a description of what life is like without God. You may be watching this this morning and you might be thinking, you know, that, that's grand and he's not interested in me and, and, and God doesn't love me, he doesn't know the things that I've done wrong and I tell you now, God loves you this morning. He says he sees you this morning with your sickness. He sees you as you're ready to faint as you walk through life. He sees you, in a sense, with your life with no direction, no compass, no place to belong. He sees you as someone like a sheep without a shepherd and he has the answer to all of those things. He is the answer to all of those. Because that day that Jesus looked out in the story that we read, he sees the crowd fainting and they were weighed down because to the people life was cruel and it was empty and without hope and, and what has changed? And people turn to the different things that are offered to them in life, they do it because they look at life and say life is cruel, life is empty and life is without hope. So I might as well find my answer in something else, in something that, that, that whether it be the bottle, whether it be drugs, whether it be anything, people do that. Uh, and yet Jesus comes and he's moved with compassion for them in this story. And he's moved with compassion for you in your circumstance and in your situation today. All these things move Jesus to compassion because he loved people. Church, they should all move us to compassion as well. To come alongside the weak and the weary. To come alongside the hurting and the disappointed to help those that are broken because that's the calling of God upon our lives. You know, it's interesting, this is not a New Testament thing, it's a biblical thing to be compassionate. So I was studying for this, I, I, I read of Deuteronomy 24, where it tells us that when you harvest the fields, and it was an instruction to the Israelites, when you harvest the fields or you beat the olives from the trees or harvest the grapes, he said you were given clear instructions what to do with that which fell to the ground or that which wasn't collected. It says, be compassionate. Leave for the foreigner, the fatherless and the widow. 
God is always making a way to be compassionate and he encourages us to do it. He said when we beat the olives from the tree and they don't fall into the basket. When you cut the wheat from the fields and there's some left over. He says when you, when you shake the grapes from the tree. He says and if you don't collect them or leave them. For, for the foreigner, for the fatherless, for the widow. Why? Because God makes a way for the people to be compassionate. The words of Jesus are the same in Matthew 25 uh, and verse 42. He says, for I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger when you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. There's Jesus giving the example of compassion. What do we do for the hungry? We feed them. What do we do for the naked? We clothe them. What do we do for the thirsty? Well, we give them something to drink. What do we do for the sick? Well, we come alongside them and pray for them and look after them. What do we do for those in prison? We are moved with compassion to visit them because Jesus says, if you do not do it for these, it's the same as not doing it for me. And you see, what stops us sometimes being moved with compassion? If we become a less compassionate people, what happens? Well, the first thing is we can grow cold and cynical. We can look sometimes and say, well, they get enough. They spend their money on the wrong things. What they need to do is be trained in some life skills, how to spend their money properly instead of wasting it. And so we can, we can grow cold and cynical thinking, we're not making a difference. There's no point doing anything because we can't make a difference. Well, it comes back to the phrase that I always use. We can't help everybody, but everybody can help somebody. It brings us on to the second thing that we can grow. Uh, we can judge wrongly and inappropriately. Uh, we don't know what circumstance or situation led to the despair and the situation that people are in now. We might assume something has happened to them that is their own fault, and it may not be. And I'm not overly sure it's our job to, to judge, to question. But I think it is our job to help, to come alongside. Will we get let down? Yes, we will sometimes. Is it messy and inconvenient to get involved and be compassionate with some people? Absolutely. There is no other description of it that it can cost us time and it can cost us money and it can be inconvenient. The third thing as well when it comes to being moved with compassion is we can forget where we've come from. There, there may be times in our life where people were moved with compassion towards us to help us, to lead us and to show us uh, and, and we can often forget where we've come from that people have been good to us, that God used those people. In that situation, those years ago, uh, they were compassionate towards us, so we should be compassionate towards others. If we're looking at leading like Jesus as we come to a finish today, the challenge is this, is to simply copy Jesus and be moved with compassion. 
to see people as he sees them, which is a huge challenge. To be moved with compassion, not just to feel sympathy or empathy, but to, excuse me, to do those things, but also to do something to help them. Let us, church, as we lead like Jesus, be moved with compassion today. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you today. Father, we know we cannot gather in the physical presence of church, but we know as many people watch this uh, video, Father God, we know they're connected to the different homes, and we pray, Lord, Father, as we're learning to lead like Jesus, would you help us to be compassionate people? Would you help us, oh God, to do the right thing in everything that we do? that we would see people as you see them, weary and broken and helpless. The Father, that you have called us to be compassionate in a world that is becoming less compassionate. Father, we still have that message and that love to offer the world today. So Father, we just pray today. Father, if there's anybody watching who doesn't know you, Lord, or your Son as their Savior, we pray for them today. That God, you see their difficulties and their challenges. You see their lives, Father God, and we pray, Father, that they would turn to you today, that the best life lived is a life given over to you. For you have forgiven our sin by sending your son, Jesus. And for that, we say thank you today. In Jesus' name, amen.